Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. Thank you for joining me this morning on this episode entitled Georgia Judges and Prostitution. Question. What would you do if you had a child under the age of 18 who was engaged in sexual relations with a judge in the state of Georgia? Would you report the judge? Would you seek intervention from the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Would you contact the U.S. Attorney's Office or the Judicial Qualifications Committee? What would you do if your child was having sexual relations with a judge that they met online or through an escort agency? What would you do if you had to appear before a judge and be called upon to show respect to this judge, knowing that the judge doesn't deserve a bit of respect? because he's engaged in as much criminality as you and or your client. On today's episode, Judges and Prostitutions, we're going to be completing part two of the initial episode that was entitled Seven Georgia Judges Who Should Not Be Reelected." In that episode, I gave you one of the judicial circuits in which those judges operate. In today's episode, I will give you a few other judicial circuits. Why? Because it is important as Georgia goes forward with two aspects of legislation that are adversely affecting the lives of ordinary citizens, while the judges sit on the bench above the law, giving out and determining the fate of people without anyone actually examining through any lens their own lives. So the next judge is in. Lookout Mountain Circuit, the Lookout Mountain Circuit, the Lookout Mountain Circuit. And the other judge is in the Macon Judicial Circuit, also referred to as the Third Administrative District. There are two judges in that circuit, two judges in that circuit, the Macon Judicial Circuit, also referred to as the third judicial circuit, which administrative circuit, which also covers Houston County, Macon, Georgia, and several other counties. So there you have three, three additional judges plus the Augusta Judicial Circuit, which makes four judges. And I told you there will be seven It is important that we, as citizens of any state government, have an opportunity to be heard. But it is even more important that the persons responsible for hearing cases that we present to them are respectable, honorable, and professional, and deserve to preside in the capacity in which they do. There are many jurisdictions this week that are qualifying throughout the state of Georgia's 159 counties for various electoral seats that include but are not limited to their clerk of county court, their solicitor, district attorney, superior court, state courts, and magistrate court judges, board of education seats, and county commission seats. And we, as citizens here in Georgia and in any other state, When we go to vote, 
what is uniquely different about those seats, not just here in Georgia, but in local or statewide races throughout the United States, is that this time of year during the general elections, we are so focused presidential elections that we forget about the people who regulate and dictate our lives on a daily basis. And that's statewide and local races. Those are the individuals that determine the application of three strikes and you're out legislation. Those are the individuals that determine one's ability to have an opportunity to attain a license, if you will, or how insurance and taxes are applied on our properties toward our businesses. Those are the individuals who determine what laws govern our day-to-day lives, those who seek the House or our assembly seats or legislative seats, depending upon now I'm trying to speak on a broader level for all those listeners, that it is important that these races and the people who participate in these races, because of the roles they play in our day-to-day lives, are worthy of the position that they are called and sworn to uphold. And so when we give judges the power to preside over cases, the, ju- the judges have the power to do so much more that can either make people's lives good or bad. And there are so many more who choose the latter part. There are so many more who are incompetent, ill-informed, and not worthy of the positions or the seats that they hold. And in a lot of the smaller areas around Georgia, and in many jurisdictions throughout this country, where the spotlight is focused on generally the metropolitan areas or the larger cities, the smaller towns do whatever they want, whenever they want, and however they want, because there's no lens to which anyone is examining them. No lens whatsoever. In many regards, their local medias may not examine them through a neutral lens that they would be subject to if they were in a larger judiciary circuit. And so when you have judges like these four out of seven as though they have the ability to do whatever they want, whenever they want, and however they want, and with whomever they want, and clear violations of the law, then it becomes evident that these are individuals who believe that they are above the law. And we cannot allow these individuals to continue to act in that capacity. Prostitution is illegal. And juvenile prostitution is worse. And in states that have become silent to how to deal with the Johns, a.k.a. the rapists, it is primarily because they choose not to. When legislators seem to be so excited about passing law that is going to promote mandatory minimum prison terms and get tough policies on the traffickers, it's because you don't want to do anything about your friends and your colleagues who are the Johns. Drug trafficking and human trafficking, what do they have in common? Nothing, unfortunately, because as it pertains to criminal justice and reform, when this country was declaring drugs public enemy number one, they attacked the addicts. There were more addicts who were the subject 
of mandatory minimum and prison terms and long and harsh prison terms than what the individuals actually selling. And then those that were declared and decreed to be kingpins were, in fact, not really kingpins, but they were subject to mandatory minimum prison terms and discriminatory and arbitrary enforcement of law. And now human trafficking has become the topic of discussion. But for those of us who have been doing this for decades and more, we recognize that the punishments are the same to the extent that we have targeted the alleged prostitute and the purported pimp or trafficker, and we do nothing for the John. He gets to walk away after engaging in what people determine to be oh, discretion, his discretionary acts. It's inappropriate. Yes, it is. But they're just prostitutes. No, they're not. They're somebody's daughter, maybe yours. And maybe after hearing this show, if you have a daughter or a son who's under the age of 18, just ask yourself how impressionable and vulnerable that child could be to being lured into a life of prostitution. Ask yourself when you look at that child, if you are an adult with a child that's under the age of 18, but particularly between the ages of 12 and 16, ask yourself, if you're a man, what would I need with this child? And what would I do with this child? And how much enjoyment would this child have with a man my age just sexually abusing her? In the state of Georgia, like so many of the jurisdictions, we constantly reiterate Romeo and Juliet laws. We constantly reiterate that girls under a certain age cannot consent to sex. And yet every single day, they're being arrested for prostitution. And while you have all these hashtags, no such thing, it's a lie. There is such a thing. And they're being arrested every single day. And we have to teach these girls to, quote, know their truth and know her truth. But we have to know the truth. We can't lie and say there's no such thing. There is. And the thing is recognize it for what it is and dismantle it at the core, at the root. But if you lie and you're constantly saying there's no such thing and blaming media and everybody else for using the terms prostitution when it exists, then you don't put the focus on sexual abuse. You take it away because they're not being raped. They're not being charged for sexual abuse. They're being charged for prostitution. They're not being charged for being victims of abuse. To get that to the table, to bring that as part of the conversation, you must deal with the root of the problem, which is child sexual exploitation and prostitution. How did they get there? And how do we dismantle it from there? It's prostitution to prison. That's the pipeline. Sexual abuse is the end result. And I say that as an end result. Because when they go through the system, the system doesn't see a victim. And you're not going to force them to see a victim with a hashtag. We're not going to force them to see victims by telling the media, you can't use the term prostitute. It is the provocativeness of using that term that brings about and stirs the brutal debate that allows people to examine what is happening to our children, that calls upon decriminalization 
And if you remove that lens and no one is still seeing them as victims, then it becomes even more of an issue to be dealt with 16 years later. So when these judges, and I'm sure and I know, trust you me, they're not just here in Georgia, believe that they have the right to sexually abuse and rape our children, notwithstanding the race, gender, because in many regards there may be boys, we must speak out. That's the no such thing meaning there will be no such thing as a judge, a politician, a member of law enforcement, the civic or religious communities taking advantage of children. That's what you promote. That's what you speak against. That's who you target if you're trying to eradicate child sexual exploitation and truly bring about change. That's what you do. But if you're simply preparing white paper, well, then we can't get anything accomplished. If you're simply tossing the stone and hiding your hand, we can't get anything changed. We must be accountable and responsible for what is happening to our children. We must be willing to speak out for what is happening to our children. And when I said there are seven, you better believe there are seven. You have Augusta Judicial Circuit, the Lookout Mountain Circuit, and two from the Macon Circuit, which is also referred to as the third administrative district, whose corporate, quote-unquote, office is out of Warner Robins, Georgia. There are two judges in that circuit, one in the Augusta Circuit, one in the Lookout Mountain Circuit. That's a total of four. And I will be giving you the last three, one of whom is a federal judge. And I'll put that out there now. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on BTR, Georgia Judges and Prostitution. You will not get away with what you're doing. Somebody is going to care enough to do their job. Somebody is going to care enough to examine the next candidate that they vote for. Whether you are now running unopposed, because one of you now are on that list, or whether or not you are a senior judge who's no longer in a race, but you still represent the interest of the people in your circuit, they need to know. You're not in a position to sit in a position of authority and respect. You don't deserve it. You represent the scum of the earth. You are having sex with prostitutes that you deem to be criminals and who are underage. And you make them the problem when you are the problem, the John, the rapist.